0: All right, good morning again. So Pastor Brandon asked me to preach today and we had it on the calendar probably like in January, maybe last year we put it on the calendar. I didn't know it was spring forward weekend and then when I noticed last week I was like, I know why Pastor Brandon wants me to preach today so he can sleep in and if you notice he's not here but they're actually on vacation. So they planned this vacation, they're in Ohio So Pastor Brandon Lee and the boys are in Ohio. Hopefully they have some time with family and they come back refreshed and fired up. Um, So I'm John Rogers and my wife Debbie and I, we lived in Fredericksburg going on about, not quite five years now. And we've been coming to New Post Church about four and a half years. And we love Fredericksburg, we love our church, and we love the community that we have here. for one, like, so, to tie this in to Spring Forward Sunday, it's also Selection Sunday. So any basketball, I know we might have a couple, I know we have one basketball fan out there, soccer fan here, so, or American football, or, um, so, so, I'm, so with that, what's that? It is, it's Selection Sunday, so this next three weeks, I just want to apologize to Debbie because there's going to be a lot of basketball on in our house over the next few weeks. So I've got some fun facts about March Madness. For those of you who don't know, that's the college basketball tournament. I feel weird trying to have it explain that, but I'm a basketball player. So, so during, during this next week, the average worker is going to spend about six hours watching March Madness basketball games during work hours. That's just this week. That's just Thursday and Friday. Um, 56% of millennials say they're willing to miss a deadline to watch March Madness basketball game. 56% of millennials, which is actually an increase from their normal work schedule. So I think our pastor's a, uh, I think our pastor's a, a millennial, so we gotta dig them there. The odds of filling out the perfect bracket, one in 9.2 quintillion. Does anybody know what a quintillion is? How many zeros are in a quintillion? There's 18 zeros in in a quintillion. But by the end of Thursday, this is what my bracket's gonna look like, be busted come Thursday. And um, all right, it's enough fun and games there. Today we're gonna be in, this is our fourth part of the Moses series, where we're taking a look at the, and doing a study in the life of, of Moses. Moses was the leader of the Israel nation. He was a man that tried to follow God to the best of his ability, which is something we should all be striving to do. Moses' life was a life of a faith built by God. Wouldn't that be cool for people to say that about us, that our life was a life of a faith built by God? I think that'd be cool. So Rich kicked off the series uh, with a message of chasing God. I learned what a flannel graph was, which I thought was pretty cool and kind of fun. Um, But he encouraged us to yearn for the things of God, to seek after Jesus and God, to read our Bibles, to pray and talk to God. Pastor Brandon then uh, was in Exodus three and he gave us the answer to the question, what do you do when you're waiting on God? Well, you do what you know what to do. Until you know what to do next, and God will tell you, you'll know. Then last week, Pastor Brandon was in Exodus 3 and 4, and he uh, the question was, "What do you do? What do you do when God speaks?" And he said, "If God is leading you to it, He'll get you through it." Moses followed the cloud, which is a good example for us to do. That when God moved, Moses moved. So when God moves, we should move. This week we're gonna look at the story of of Moses and his father-in-law Jethro, where Jethro gives Moses some advice, some godly advice in Exodus 18. So you can turn to your Bible app and go to Exodus 18. This is still a couple, couple chapters before we get to the Ten Commandments. They don't have the Ten Commandments yet. So I had a basketball coach that would tell us all the time we need to be smart. He wanted us to rely on our teammates and not take on the other team alone, which I had a tendency to do. He would, he would yell at us, be smart. We're not meant to do this life alone, whether it be on the basketball court, at work, at home, at church, doing ministry. We're not meant to do it alone. So look at your neighbor and say, be smart, or yell it across the room because we're kind of scattered, so (laughs) be smart. There's no position in life that is meant to be done alone. You must let people help you. So who remembers the Space Shuttle Challenger, January of 1986? The Space Shuttle Challenger, 73 seconds after it launched, exploded, killing all seven crew members. What a lot of people don't know is that the evening before, and then one of the engineers refused to sign the launch recommendations over safety concerns. He said it was too cold, and that the the freezing conditions would cause these little rubber O-rings on the solid rockets to fail, and there would be an explosion on the launch pad. Well, his prediction was partially right, There was an explosion, but it happened 73 seconds later, 46,000 feet in the air. So this was sound advice from an engineer, someone that was knowledgeable and trustworthy, and he had first-hand experience with the aircraft, but the advice was not followed. Why didn't those in charge follow this advice? Perhaps it was impatience they have been dealing with several days of delays because of the weather conditions were just too cold. Or maybe it was arrogance. There's no way these two little rubber O-rings were going to cause the rockets to explode. That wasn't going to happen. The point of the story is, when sound advice is given, do you listen? Or do you think you already know what's best and you just do your own thing? We're gonna to look to see how Moses took this advice from his father-in-law. But before we do, let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, God, for our church. Thank you for the, this time that we have to get into your word, Lord, and this, this word that you put on my heart to share. Father, I pray that, um, that our minds are, and our hearts are clear and open, receptive to what you have to say this morning. So we thank you. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let me give you a little context. A little context on Moses, the Israelites, and Jethro. So Moses was supposed to have been killed as a baby, became an orphan to Pharaoh's daughter, where she found him in a basket in the reeds of the Nile River. He grew up, and as an adult, he murdered an Egyptian. He tried to talk God out of using him, Some of us probably use excuses too to talk God out of using us. God used Moses and his brother Aaron showing many signs to Pharaoh. He led the Israelites out of Egypt where they traveled by a cloud during the day and by fire at night that guided their way. Moses led the Israelites crossing the Red Sea where God used Moses to part the sea and drown the Egyptians. The Israelites, they were oppressed. They were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt. During the Exodus, they became terrified. They grumbled to Moses and said he should have left them alone to be slaves of the Egyptians. That would have been better for them than to die in the desert. They would rather be slaves than have a chance for freedom. God performed miracles and saved them, but they still complained to Moses. In Exodus 16, they grumbled, saying, You sent us to the desert to starve. At least we had food in Egypt. Well, God responded by providing meat, quail at twilight, and bread in the morning. God basically provided Chick fil A. (laughs) And they still complained. (laughs) They still complained. They complained about not having any water. In Exodus 17, they said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Well, God then delivered water from a rock. I'm sure you get the point, that they complained a lot. I don't have a slide for this one, but we probably should. Maybe we'll put one in for the next service. Don't be a complainer. Nobody likes being around a complainer. Thought I'd hear an amen on that one. So I guess it's, we're not in practice anymore. Um, all right, so let's talk about Jethro. Jethro is Moses' father in law. He was not an Israelite, but did worship God. When just Jethro saw and heard what God had done for the Israelites, he worshiped God wholeheartedly can guess that for the 40 years he was Moses' father-in-law, he had been watching God work, molding Moses into this amazing leader. Moses and Jethro's relationship was very close. Each benefited from knowing each other. Moses introduced Jethro to God, and Jethro gave hospitality, wisdom, and Moses' wife to him. Now, to me, that's a win-win relationship right there. All right, so let's get into scripture. Exodus 18, starting at verse 13. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. And they stood around him from morning till evening when his father-in-law, when his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, "What is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening?" Moses answered him, "Because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. So it's national Bring Your In-Law to Work Day for the Israelites. Bring your, (laughs) Jethro joins Moses. Um, How many of you would love to bring your in-law to work? See those hands out there. I don't hear any amens or any hands raising up for that one but Jethro, his father-in-law, joins them and the, the Israel nation somewhere between a million, two million people at this point point. and as I mentioned earlier, they complained a lot there's a constant long line of complaints and disputes it's kind of like a small claims court where someone will come up and say this man stole my sheep no I didn't His dog killed my chickens. No, I didn't, your chickens were in my yard. So you kinda kinda get the point that Moses sat there, listened, decided cases like that all day long. Maybe not quite like that, but similar. So, doesn't that sound exhausting? I don't know about you, but I would not want that job. But why did they, why was this Moses' job? because he was the the leader of Israel, and he had the wisdom and discernment from God. Moses did have the heart and the ability to do the job, which brings me to my first point. If you're going to lead effectively, then you need to prayerfully learn your role. If we're doing it right, our roles will change, evolve, and grow in time. God does not want his children to be stagnant. Our lives are a journey and God will continue to lead you in the way he wants you to go. You ever pray for a job and you got it? Anybody? Yeah, Yeah, a couple of us have. And then when you go to work the first day on the job, put your stuff down on your desk, you sit down, you kick your feet up on the desk, and you're like, I've arrived. I've made it, I'm done. No, nobody does that, right? (laughs) At least you shouldn't do that if you wanna keep that job that you prayed for. So the point is, there's always growth opportunities no matter where you are in life, that God is preparing you. Or maybe I should say God will prepare you for the next promotion, the next season, the next stage of your life, but you have to allow him to. Liking your job and being where God wants you to be are not always the same. And I know that's for somebody in here, even just a few of us that are here, so let me say it again. Liking your, your role, your job, and being where God wants you to be are not always the same. I've been there. Several years ago, I worked for a company. In my first year, my role changed like three or four times. I never really knew what I was going to be doing the next, the next week. And I was miserable. I felt stuck. I wasn't doing what they hired me to do. When I first got hired, I loved I couldn't wait to get out of there. Oh, and I also complained a lot to my friends and family. So one day, a good friend of mine called me up, and he was also a pastor at our church in in Florida. So you know, when you have a good friend who's a pastor, they're not always gonna tell you what you wanna hear. So he called me up, and he said he was praying for me, and God put this on his heart to share with me, that I was with this company for a reason. That I should stop fighting, stop complaining that God needed me there and he was using me. So that call was a bit of a punch in the gut. I was expecting my buddy to call me up. He's my buddy, he's a good friend of mine. You're, yeah, I was expecting him to say, you're right, that company doesn't deserve you. God's got this better job lined up for you. Yeah. No, instead I, instead I now had a mission. I had a purpose to being at that job. And God did place me intentionally with this job. This was not a godly company. This was not a godly office. I was there to set an example of what a Christian looks like and how we should act when things don't always go our way. And I didn't always pass that test. At this moment, I realized that I might be the only Jesus that some of these people will ever see. My attitude and outlook on my job changed. I now had a significant calling. You have a significant calling. Look at your neighbor and say, you have a significant calling. You do important work. Say it, Jim. (laughs) You you have a significant calling. You do important work. When you're out there selling real estate. (laughs) Do Do you realize that you might be the only Jesus that some people will ever meet? that this church might be the only church that some people will ever attend? If you know your God and are kind to them, then they will connect with the organization known as the body of Christ. On the other hand, if you don't know your God and you are not kind to them, then they will not connect with the body of Christ. And when they see a Christian coming their way or a Christian coming their way, they will avoid you and run in the other direction. I don't know about you, but I don't wanna give God a bad name. Okay, for all you type A personalities out there, if you think you can do it all by yourself, this next point is for you. Honestly accept your limitations. There's only so much work harder you can do. We all have a limited capacity and we need to be honest with ourselves and accept our limitations. That one was actually for me. Hopefully it's for somebody out here as well that we need to honestly accept our limitations that we do have a limited capacity. Verse 17, Exodus 18, verse 17 through 18. Yep. Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. How about that on bring your in-law to work day? <laughs> what you're doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. What you are doing is not good. Moses could have gotten defensive. Could have been like, I am working my tail off here, and I'm the only one that can do this work. How would you take it? Your in-law coming to work with you, telling you what you're doing is not good, and you're trying your hardest to do something good. But this is something we can apply in our lives. Is there somebody in your life that can look you in the eye and tell you that the thing you do is not good and you will listen to them? Or are you in a place where there's nobody in your life that can speak the truth and tell you that you are wrong? There must be someone in your life that can look you in the eye and tell you that you are wrong and you will listen to them. Okay, hopefully that made somebody a little uncomfortable. Pastor Brandon said to make you uncomfortable this morning, so. I know when I wrote it, I was uncomfortable because you a know, preacher preaches to himself a lot, right? All right, so let's go to verse 19. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice. Here we go, some godly advice. And may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens, Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you, the simple cases they can decide for themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. Jethro's advice, the key is in verse 19 and 20. What did Jethro... Tell Moses to do before anything. Pray, right? He said to pray. Verse 19 says, you must be the people's representative before God. He's telling Moses he needs to pray for the entire people of Israel. Pray for the people and for individuals. And that Moses stands before God for the people. I believe God is telling us to do the same, to pray for those in our charge. You see, leadership is not about being in charge. It's about taking care of the people in our charge. Let me say that again. Leadership is not about being in charge. It's about taking care of the people in our charge. Verse 20 says, to teach the word of God to those who hear and bring disputes. Teach and show them the way, show practical examples or just be the example. If people just knew God's word themselves, then they could settle the dispute without needing anyone else to decide their cases. So let's not say you're right, let's not say I'm right, let's say go to the word of God and that's right and agree that that's the direction we will follow. That should have got an amen right there. (laughs) We need to prayerfully consider our roles. If you're wired to manage 10 and they put you in charge of 1,000, it's not going to work. Before I get to my next point, there's two ways people fail at being committed to doing God's plan. The first, it's when you're not doing God's plan God's way and when you insist on doing God's plan by yourself. You'll experience burnout, with no longevity, and you will be limited on what you can accomplish. So my next point, carefully assess your team. You need to find them, invite them, and allow them to take this journey with you. If you don't find them and invite them to take the journey, then you're not gonna be a leader, you'll just be walking alone. I heard it put like this, he who thinks he's leading but has nobody following, is simply just taking a walk. We've got to find people to come alongside of us. Good leaders delegate. They don't do the work of leadership alone. The idea here is that we need to transform from a me to we. It's not about you. But when we work together, we have untapped abilities. When we work by ourselves, eventually we'll be all tapped out. If you agree with the mission of New Post Church, that we're a church that loves God, loves people, and believes in making a difference, then I'd like to invite you to come alongside of us and help us move the church forward in our calling. We have a spot for you. That I promise you, we have a spot for you. And we will help you in your calling to be all that God has called you to be. In verse 24, Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. He chose capable men from all Israel and made them leaders of the people, officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They served as judges for the people at all times. The difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided themselves. Next point is to appropriately empower people around you working as a team. We can't do what we do here on Sundays without a team. It takes a team to accomplish much. And there is unlimited potential when we allow others to, to lead and take ownership. We have unlimited potential. We have unlimited potential. If we do God's will, God's way, surrender by doing this in community, then God will, will do more through us, in us, and for us than we could ever imagine. It's amazing what you can accomplish if you don't care who gets the credit as long as God is glorified. So what does this tell us about God's work today? And where do we see Jesus in all of this? Was there ever a greater leader and delegator than, than Jesus? He delegates to his disciples, and that's us by the way, Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Jesus prays for us and we should do the same for those under our influence. Every Christian should have some intentional way to help advance the kingdom of God. Let me say that again. Every Christian should have some intentional way to help advance the kingdom of God. And you can do that right here at New Post Church. Jesus delegates to everyone. He did it to me. Perhaps for you, it's serving and leading at church, or maybe God's put something on your heart to lead something in the community. But there was a work Jesus could not delegate, and that was the work he did on the cross. He lived the perfect life. He was obedient to his calling. He went to the cross, paid for the sins that we as humanity should have paid. He was crucified. He died and rose three days later. So that through our belief in him, we have fellowship with God through the Holy Spirit and eternal life. If you're not a believer, You're invited to the family of faith. I want you to know that God loves you so much, he just wants you in his family. So I close in prayer, if I can pray for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you and you need to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, and pray this simple prayer. Right at your seat, right where you are. Say, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. I accept you as Lord of my life. I ask you to come into my heart. Fill me with your love. I need you to help guide me in all of my ways from this day forward for the church Lord help us to know our role and understand that you are preparing us for our next role we have a significant calling with untapped abilities with unlimited potential help us to allow others to pour into our lives and us into others together as the body of Christ we can and will accomplish great things Lord, we thank you. We love you. We give you all the praise. And it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.